Monday, September 18th, and this is episode 69 of the Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. It's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. It is insight and perspective from members of the Annex Wealth Management Investment Committee. With us today, Ken Bellinger, senior trader. Welcome. Good morning. And we got Todd Voigt, chief investment strategist. Welcome to you. Good morning, Danny. Well, as an overview, uh, pretty much would like to first thank all the listeners that come back week after week. If you like what you hear, please share it with a friend, colleague, family member, and anybody, including those in foreign countries. We like that foreign exposure. Really enjoy making these podcasts. So um, let's dive in. In the uh, in the upcoming economic data this week, we got permits. Housing starts a big housing week this week. Wednesday, we've got mortgage applications, besides uh, the all-important Fed meeting that people put too much weight on. Thursday, we got Philly Fed Business Outlook, existing home sales. And Friday, we got PMI. I just wanted to clarify some of the things in a big housing week is the starts uh, have been trending down since they peaked around December of 2021. They fell off a cliff in, in January 22 and been trending down, obviously, because of higher mortgage rates, which are now over uh, north of 7%. Existing home sales it may be seeing a, some improvement at some point because they're so beat up in that uh, and existing home sales are like non-existent because obviously people are sitting on low mortgage rate loans. Leading economic indicators on Thursday, I always find interesting. It's not a, it's only the the last six months and the basic rules of thumb that apply to leading economic indicators. Talked about it a half a dozen times in the last you know couple of years, but that may have bottomed in March of 23. We'll see because we've had periodic upswings in the leading economic indicators only to end up falling further. So we'll see what it looks like there. On strengths. Coming at it from, I guess, a, a bit of a trading perspective here, right? We've really seen some strengths recently in utilities and financials. As, you know, we, you know, the consensus is pretty widely believed at this point that the Fed, you know, maybe there's one more rate hike in here and then we're kind of hitting peak. And you know, eventually as those rates you know, recede, that's always a positive for utilities with a really high dividend payments typically. Um, and for financials with you know, improving net interest margin. So. Well, they recede for a reason, and that's the, the Fed lowering rates because of a slower economy, which would make sense for utilities. I like that, that you bring up the trading and the market uh, aspect of it, because a lot of times you talk a lot about the economic side of things in these SWAT podcasts, but I've seen that as well. I, that's you know, uh, an area I like following is the trading aspects and get that and sense of internal dynamics of the markets. But financials, utilities, and staples are another one mm-hmm. that uh, we see some improvement in there. And it's a strength for that market sector. Might not bode well for the outlook for the economy, but the, the strength, and I know we've talked about it before, but the strength in, in the, on the economic side is that the long duration of this expansion, so many, including ourselves, thought we would be in a recession in 2023. And that economic expansion in, in this soft landing narrative, boy, I wish I remember um, who it was I was listening to made a nice comment about uh, I wouldn't be doing a happy dance over soft landing because we're not out of the woods yet. And, and the point, though, is that you have had up to this point at least the strength in the economy uh, that's, that's uh, been a big benefit to, to everyone, including the labor market. Uh, another strength might be the balance sheets of corporation, depending on the sector. Balance sheets are a lot stronger now than they were 
in prior potential downturns. And I say that because in the past, you know, a lot of times the downturns weren't seen uh, ahead and, you know, companies are highly leveraged and, and not sitting on so much cash. It's not quite the case today. Your thoughts, Ken? Speaking to the, the higher quality balance sheets, as we've seen prior to recessions, I know in, in the real estate space, there's certainly a lot of more veteran management teams that lived through 08, you know, kind of by the skin of their teeth, where, you know, that's still in mind, right? So there's been a lot of deleveraging or over the last couple of years, really taking advantage of getting really long duration on really low rates where for well-managed companies, that's not as, as big of a deal now. And certainly you've seen that in the energy space as well. A lot of deleveraging of the balance sheet over the last couple of years with really restrained capital expenses, which has had the impact right now of raising energy prices, right? Because we haven't gone gangbusters on production necessarily over the last couple of years. And that's not just a U.S. phenomenon. That's more of a global phenomenon, that underinvestment of energy that we've talked about before in a different context than balance sheet. But It's certainly a benefit. What used to be an opportunity we've talked about in prior SWAT podcasts was the the bond market and the yields and so forth. But I'd slide that over to the strength column too. The higher yields is a it's a it's a strong point. It's you know in terms of your choices of stocks, bonds, or cash, and it's only a matter of time. I think that with real rates at one nine approaching two. And the nominal yields where they're at that people say, you know, I really do have an alternative. And we certainly have that in our asset allocation models and portfolios to bring the bond portfolio part of, up to a core strategic core allocation. Just for fun this morning, I went and looked, you know, six months ago, what were market expectations in terms of rates that we were supposed to be three to four cuts deep already at this point, you know, back in March. And that certainly hasn't happened, which has been a, you know, a strong benefit to, you know, continue to hold some of those money market funds or, you know, kind of more liquid sources of capital that are, you know, you're getting 5% plus interest on. One of the big weaknesses is that auto workers strike. Uh, that's That was in the news right at the end of last week. I got a lot to, to say about that. We don't have enough time. But I think the confluence of events of onshoring with the troubles that automakers have with EVs and, and not making money, and then you throw in a strike on top of it, creates problems. I, I In a sense, I say, well, that's great. Uh, you know, I grew up with, and, and as, you know, Danny did as well, not putting a an age on Danny, but you grew up with strikes and layoffs and in the cyclicality of the economy and so forth that I think a lot of people today haven't experienced that. But you bring that in, and I think it's pretty smart uh, from a strategic sense that the UAW's taken this approach of targeting certain plants and so forth. On the other hand, I think it's self-defeating in the sense that you know, it's going to hurt auto dealers. It's going to hurt, obviously, other suppliers. But who it's not really going to hurt is the consumer. The consumer has alternatives. They can go to Hyundai, Toyota, Tesla. I mean, those companies got to be looking at this and saying, this is this is great. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, it, it reminds me of that Hostess uh, <laughs> donut situation where the unions were finding that company ends up going out of business. I, you know, you're, you're going to take it too far, I think, at some point. I see it as a big weakness for, from an economic standpoint. You know, what I think is interesting is the comment that the UAW said was that, you know, the auto companies have booked record profits for the last two decades. And I, I said, you know, why not the last three decades? You know, if you grow something at 1%, in dollar terms, yeah, that's record profits, but eh, they haven't been making that much money. 
And, and I know that at some point somebody's going to come along, Democrat or Republican, and Biden could do this. You're looking for this. He's a pro-union president. He's coming in there. He's going to save the day. But you know what? A Republican, you know, namely a Trump or DeSantis or somebody can come in and say, yeah, give them what they want, and then we'll throw tariffs on Hyundai, Toyota, and, and, and Trump's been, you know, trying to get that UAW endorsement anyway and they're not endorsing anybody but i think it is not good overall it's a it's it is in the category of a weakness uh for the economy yeah there's not really a great resolution to that either way either you know to put this in a, in a profit perspective or a margin perspective or an economic perspective, I guess. This only ends with weaker margins in the end if you know, we reach a quick deal or the alternative, this drags out. Maybe the deal's not as good as what the union's looking for. Uh, you've lost production for several months, so you're going to see you know, potentially another spike in car prices, hopefully not as bad as what we saw in like, you know, what happened after COVID hit and supply chains really broke down. But right. at least within this one sector, you might start to see some of that depending on how long this takes to play out. You know, switching a little bit, uh, staples and uh, a weakness your thoughts on that kind of falls in this weird spot between strength and weakness you know the, the trading has been improved and that part's been a strength but long term you could see some weakness there with again just all of the geopolitical you know noise going on you know we've seen soybean you know prices have come down a bit from our 2022 peak but we're still way above pre-pandemic levels we've seen wheat and corn remain at pretty elevated levels you know energy prices to transport all this stuff obviously is you know We've seen crude cross ninety dollars this week. Um, eventually, that all feeds into the bottom line there too. Deglobalization and geopolitics just continuing to weigh on uh, the supply chains for staples. And although trading has improved from a margin perspective, things could be a little bit problematic looking forward. Opportunities, you know, what I like to throw in there is a comment that made a couple of weeks ago. Uh, China is an opportunity. Their industrial outputs four and a half percent versus three nine. That was expected. Retail sales four six year-on-year versus 3% expected. They cut interest rates last week. They cut the reserve requirement for banks this past week. You're kind of bottom fishing there, but you know the tack to take, I think, is to piecemeal it in there. Something uh, that, that we do is we might partition trades in the fourths. So you take a fourth now, take a fourth later. You got a turn and a discernible trend. From a trading standpoint, you bring in the other fourths, and now you've you, you may not find the bottom exactly, but you can approximate the bottom. So I, I think that's a, that's a decent opportunity to start finding either on the core tactical and the fund sense, the, the, comp, the funds that are increasing exposure or have the same idea, or to do it on an individual equity side is, is not an issue either. Like you said, they lowered rates last week, and then this week they cut the reserve requirement ratio for their banks, which should lead to increased lending. It, you, you just have to feel like at some point – you'll start to see things turn and really that the areas we would watch to see if that turn is coming is you know energy and materials and for materials specifically looking at copper prices coal prices yeah. um, iron ore these are all major materials that china typically imports in in good times and we've seen prices on those rise you know short term but we'll, we'll see where things go but it's that's you know where i would look to see if we're starting to re- really get a positive turn you know and to that point from a trading portfolio construction standpoint we'd have positions there anyway on the individual equity side. Now we might half weight those positions in the past and and we can bring them to a full weight position, but you still have exposure there because, you know, it's the basic principles of portfolio construction is a diversification part of it, that that then becomes a bigger weight in the the portfolios. Great, great point. Uh, Moving on to threats. You know, I, I got onto this thing where years ago, and even while I was teaching, 
I would talk about the economic surprise and, and how to interpret that when you get the various economic data or earning surprises, you know, when you're dealing with companies. Surprises are what's expected versus what actually do you get. And you got positive and negative surprises. And I said, you can tell a lot because the consensus expects a certain number and comes out better, comes out worse. They're overestimating or underestimating, you know, certain industries or certain economic data, and they're going to change those, their estimates and so forth. But you get a, a lead on what industries are turning and improving because the analysts underestimate their, their earnings and so forth, and they come through with positive surprises. Same thing on economic side. But there's a little different twist on it. I, I read an article in a Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago, and it talked about the revisions versus actual. And, and the headline news that you get on month-to-month data that comes out gets a lot of attention by the markets. But what doesn't get a lot of attention is the revisions. That might be, and, and, and then lately we've talked about this on the investment team, that lately have been rather pronounced, that these revisions are pretty big, but get no attention by the markets. And I thought, you know, I'm going to invent an annex uh, revisions surprise index. And, and I should have done that years ago with the economic surprise index, but Citigroup beat me to it. But how does that tie in with the here and now and the expected changes to occur in the economy? Because the revisions are actual. Those are real numbers. To me, you, know, you, you want to deal with the facts, and you're seeing those are rather more pronounced now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the core of the revisions that we've been talking about, certainly not the only ones, but it's been on the inflation side. And, you know, we've had really volatile energy markets, which has really fed into that as well. You know, again, we've seen crude hit $90 again. So when you look at the headline inflation, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I think it was around 0.7. I don't have the number in front of me. I do know if you took energy and food out of there, it's like a 0.2, which is reasonable and pretty close to where we're looking for for a long-term target. But again, this this energy supply demand dynamics continuing to rear its kind of ugly head and you know produce inflationary pressures across the economy. That was a threat, I think, a, a month ago on a SWAT podcast that the inflation surprise, the prevailing thought was it was not, you know, inflation's coming down, all is good, and, and you got to think out of the box and say, you know, but what if we get inflation surprising to the upside? That's going to put the, you know, the Fed's back against the wall, and don't be surprised if, you know, if you see a Fed rate hike in September kind of thing. That was a threat. I've got my own opinions on the Fed potential rate hikes in September and November, and, and you know what? If, if you're a long-term buy-and-hold investor you got good companies you know we're on the individual equity side we're bottom up so you know our the intent is the is buy and hold you know so what you know what impact does one fed meeting make not much There's a lot of noise on if you watch tv but it's not going to change your your allocations and decisions on companies and so forth uh, but that inflation surprise is, is still there the risk premium Risk premium average, you know, I talked to Trevor last Friday and, and said, you know, what, what has been the average of risk premium? I mean, there's multiple risk premium ways to measure it, but this is an abstract concept to investors and, you know, clients and so forth. I mean, it's out there, even the students. The reality is, is that it measures 
how much return are you getting per unit of risk type of thing? How much, how much are investors complacent or are they adverse to risk and so forth? So you get that sense. Again, it's, it's kind of an abstract concept. Well, the average, if you put numbers to it, you say it's 3.68. Uh, and right now, it's one point whatever. Well, you know you've got a, a, a market where investors are pretty complacent about risk. But you can see that in multiple other areas to get a sense of the quote-unquote risk premium. If you kind of think about it and work backwards into it, you'd say, well, if the, we go back to quote-unquote an average risk premium based on earnings and so forth, you, you're going to have a market that's probably a little lower than where we're at right now, so the upside. Other areas you see that, and this is we're still in that category of threats, is in the options market. You see certain types of options where four categories of options, when you think about it, is buying calls, writing calls for yield, buying puts, selling puts. And I'm not going to go into detail about that, but that gives you a real good sense of the sentiment in the market and, and what the market's thinking and you're seeing that covered calls, you know, are, are and the yields that you're getting because call premiums are high. People are bullish when call premiums are high. So you don't want to buy calls. You want to sell calls and get the yield. And our goal is yield or to be risk adverse. Okay, we don't speculate with options. But you can see in those different categories, if you put the companies in there like we do, and say, where are the opportunities? Where do we want to get yield? What do we want to protect? And so forth. You start seeing a pattern. You know, again, going back to the staples and the financials, you're starting to see this, this skewness toward defensive parts of the market. Annex Wealth Management SWAT podcast. What's our headline strength? Defensive rotation. Headline weakness. Mortgage rates elevated. Headline opportunity. China and emerging markets. And our headline threat, I'd say, is a, a floor underneath inflation. Annex Wealth Management SWAT Podcast, Episode 69. Ken Bellinger, Senior Trader, thank you. Thank you. And Todd Boyd, Chief Investment Strategist, thank you. Thank you, Danny. Annex Wealth Management, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect on those of Annex Wealth Management, LLC. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice, or a recommendation or a solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risk. Neither Annex Wealth Management LLC nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.